You're listening to the Live Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church. It's a privilege for me to be with you once again in your 16 your 16th week covering the 16 chapters of the Gospel of Mark. It's a privilege for me, uh, number one, because I love God's Word, and I love this Gospel, and there's so much in here for you and me. And as somebody who's been reading this Gospel for 50 years, I'm still drawing all kinds of food and nourishment and challenge Uh, from this gospel to feed my soul and to help me be a follower of Jesus. And I hope that's true for you as well. So to have had the opportunity to walk with you in three or four of these chapters has been a great privilege for me. I'm going to get right to it and begin reading the text from Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, has been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, they said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they have laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. I want to stop there and I want to talk for a few minutes about the Bible and about Bible manuscripts. It's very possible that this is as far as Mark got with writing this gospel. Uh, Many of the original manuscripts stop right here after the eighth verse, which is kind of a strange thing to have written such a comprehensive gospel of the life of Jesus and Finish it with the big finish. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anybody because they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. It's like, what a strange finish. I wonder if people went to Mark and said, hey, when are you going to finish your book? You know, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm almost done. But, um, There's a definite break right here, and some manuscripts stop here. Somewhere along the line, somebody said, well, we can't finish this gospel there. 
someone has to talk about things that Jesus did after he rose from the dead. So we begin with the ninth verse. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Now we know that that uh, did in fact happen. We read that in the Gospel of John and perhaps in other places. She went and told those who had been with him who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen, seen him, they did not believe that. Uh, we find those things to be said in the other Gospels as well. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. This is probably a reference to the road to Emmaus that we can read in Luke 24, a powerful Jesus story after the resurrection. Uh, this is that same story written in shorthand, which the Gospel of Mark is famous for. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Uh, did these events happen? The other Gospels certainly say so. Did Jesus uh, rebuke the disciples at some level? Uh, the Gospels would say so. Is that all that Jesus did when he went to be with his disciples? There's so much more. But this seems to be kind of a quick shorthand of events known that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. He, meaning Jesus, said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So this is the conclusion of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, especially in America, we have this gift for being quite polarized from each other. So I can just envision uh, one camp, let's give them a blue color, that says, this Gospel definitely ended after verse 8. And maybe another camp, let's just give them red t-shirts, and they say, no, no, I'm absolutely sure if you're not an evil person, you will know that this gospel ends after verse 20. And it may make me somewhat uncom uncomfortable, but I have to say, I'm not sure where it ends. But I would say with that also, this was not the Bible at the time it was written. 
It was one person's narrative story about the life of Jesus, and it's going to be a few hundred years later when church leaders decide what are we going to put in the New Testament and what will be part of this comprehensive Bible, what will be canon. And by that time, they had the full 20 verses, and they knew there were differences in 9 through 20, but all the leaders felt this Gospel of Mark is so authentic and so real and so filled with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to take it in its entirety, and it will be Bible. It will be part of the New Testament. It will be one of the four Gospels of our Lord Jesus Christ. And... Uh, uh, so uh, I say amen, and um, I will also say that the Bible is the most vetted manuscript or collection of manuscripts in human history. There has never been a book searched out more carefully, both by those who believe and those who don't believe, and who would want to discredit text. So it's, it's an amazing thing and really speaks to the credibility of the scriptures that this would even be noted in several of your New Testaments that, that yes, there was concern here, but um, in the end, we decided it's all part of the narrative and we're going to move forward with it. And if people are to say to you and me, oh, that Bible, you can make it say anything you want, it simply is untrue. And maybe we do try to make Scripture say the things we want it to say. As we see in Jesus' time, the scribes and the Pharisees leaned toward doing because their heart was not in a good place. Their heart was not inclined toward mercy toward love for God and love for their neighbor, oftentimes. And so you see that anger in the text, and you see other things that uh, were never intended. But this is a great gospel. It's the shortest of the gospels, and it ends uh, somewhat abruptly. But we can have full confidence in the narrative that's given to us on who Jesus is. That all being said, I want to talk about a few other things. I want to talk about the three wise women. And that's how this chapter opens up. The three women in this case are Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. And uh, we're told they brought spices that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. The first thing that strikes me is uh, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do what they thought they were going to do because he is risen. Jesus is already gone. And if you remember in one of the early accounts, earlier accounts in Mark, there is this woman who breaks this precious ointment over Jesus and is criticized for it. Uh, uh, people say, well, that could have been given to the poor. And Jesus says, leave her alone. 
she has done a beautiful thing. She has anointed me for my burial. And uh, while people no doubt did not comprehend the import of that, Jesus did. Jesus' body had to be anointed before he lost his life because he wasn't staying in that tomb long enough for them to anoint the body, which may be saying to you and I, the time to do that generous thing is always now, not some other time. I might say, you know, in a few weeks, I think I'm going to change my life. In a few weeks, I'm going to turn the corner. You know, I'm going to repent. I'm going to be a better follower of Jesus. I'm going to be better to my spouse and my kids. And yeah, I, I'm, that's what I want to do. Not today. Not today I don't want to do it, but I'll do it someday. None of us know if we have that someday in the future. And that woman understood her moment to be generous, her moment to honor Jesus in this way. And I pray that for you and me. Uh, there's so much language in scripture that says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you sense the Spirit of God is speaking to you and me, calling us, today is the day we need to be doing something. Now, um, another thing I love about these women, so they're, they're hurrying to the tomb, and um, they're saying to one another, what are we going to do about that stone that's covering the en entrance to the tomb. None of us are strong enough to move that stone. But uh, they don't wait until they know that the stone's removed before they go. And I think one of the big mistakes I made at different times in my life is I want all the answers before I, I'm going to commit. I want to know what God's going to do if I do so-and-so. And there are so many things in life where you and I need to move our feet. You and I need to begin the journey. You and I need to bring what we have, knowing that what we have is not going to be enough. Like the boy who brings his lunch when 5,000 are fed. His lunch isn't enough. But in the hands of Jesus, it certainly is. And so I love these women that they don't know how they're going to do what they desire to do, but they're doing it just the same. And even though uh, they don't get to do what they hoped to do, which was to anoint the body of Jesus, they were too late for that. They were given a great privilege. They were the first witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How sweet is that? That uh, not the apostles, uh, not the what would be the 11 at that point, but these women, their love for Jesus compels them to be there. And consequently, uh, they are the first to hear he is risen indeed, just like he said. I also love the detail when it says, 
they went into the tomb and uh, they saw this being uh, dressed in white uh, sitting on the right. Now, now why, why do you say, well, this person was sitting on the right? It's, it's a detail that uh, isn't given any other meaning other than it's an eyewitness report. It's uh, he was he was no he wasn't sent he was he was over there on the right side of this cave, and he brought us the good news. I love those little narratives in John's gospel. It talks about how Peter and John, when these same women tell them that Jesus is risen from the dead, they run to the tomb. They have a race, and uh, and John can't help telling us that he beat Peter to the tomb. But Peter could say he won because once John got to the finish line, he didn't break the tape. He stood outside the cave until Peter came, and it's such a Peter thing to do. He busts his way in and sees that, in fact, Jesus is risen. But I, um, I love that privilege. And I, I will tell you with confidence, and I have a mirror here, I'm, I'm speaking to myself as well, that if you act on your love for Jesus and you are generous uh, toward your neighbor, you will see wonders and you will be given favor. You will be given privilege. I, I've come to think that privilege is, is the evil one's uh, counterfeit of favor, uh, to walk through life thinking that we should have privilege and that we should be treated different than anybody else is something we didn't learn from God. But the idea that you love the Lord and you are working on loving your neighbor as yourself and living for others, being a person for others, will mark your life with favor. And for these women, the favor they're given on that day is they are the first witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. Some might say it wasn't much of a privilege because they had to go back and tell people who didn't believe it, who just said, come on, I saw him die. I saw them drive the nails in his hands. I saw them stick a spear in his side. Don't give me that. Just come and see. Come and see. The answer concerning the risen Jesus is always come and see. So I want to talk about this other verse, too, in the seventh verse, the first half, that this um, angel, what do they call him? A young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. Yeah. He says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you in the Galilee. There you shall see him, just as he told you. So what's up with that? Go tell his disciples and Peter. Well, uh, we all know, you know, Peter had this uh, experience of denying Jesus, that he never thought it could be true. 
of him, but it did turn out to be true. And he swore that he didn't know Jesus. He said it three times. He swore with oaths in the cock crowed. And Peter wept, uh, remembering that Jesus said, you, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. I can't imagine anybody being, well, I can't imagine Judas is more miserable than Peter. Judas looks at what he has done and he takes his own life. Peter looks at what he has done and he doesn't know what to do with himself. He ultimately goes back to fishing, which is what he was before he was following Jesus, a commercial fisherman. Um, but uh, Peter, even with the news of the resurrection, might wonder, so am I in or am I out? You know, am I a follower of Jesus or did I disown Jesus? Did I divorce myself from my Lord and Savior? And uh, I think when the women come, Peter may be wondering too, so who's invited to this party? And these women can say, he, he named you. He said to tell you by name, come, you will see him in this place. And that's a great thing. I don't know if it's ever happened to you where you have begun your journey to follow Jesus and then you really walked away. You did something stupid, or you did something you thought you would never do. You did something that makes you wonder, did I undo my, my belonging to Jesus? Did I undo my, did I give up my chair uh, in the kingdom of heaven? And what a beautiful thing to know that there is forgiveness of sin in Jesus' name. And, of course, John's gospel will, will tell it in great detail, but Jesus finds great joy in restoring us when we are lost. So if you have wondered whether you have lost your way or you think you have devolved into some second-class citizenship in heaven, uh, some lower form, like the prodigal, where I, I can't ask to be a son anymore, but could I be a hired hand? Uh, know that the good news of Jesus Christ is there are there is forgiveness of sin in Jesus' name. So uh, the angel has specific instructions. Go tell the disciples. Tell Peter. Be sure to tell Peter. You will see me. And that word goes to you and me as well. And sometimes I need that assurance that Jesus is not done with me and that he wants me at table with him and that he can look past all my sin and um, 
renew me, that there doesn't have to ever be a time in my life when I'm closer to Jesus than I am right now. So it's time to land the plane. And uh, part of my feeling with this short chapter and uh, even this abrupt ending is that maybe you and I are supposed to continue the story. That uh, this whole gospel of Mark that we've experienced this summer, uh, isn't it an altar call to you and to me? You know, what are we going to do with this Jesus? What are we going to do with this crucified and risen Jesus who has poured out his life for us? Um, are we going to have this story end in antiquity 2,000 years ago where we quibble over sentences and what they mean and whether or not they should be included? Or are we... Um, going to be living letters? Are we going to be the continuation of, of the story? Are we going to be the proof that Jesus is everything he has said he is and that uh, his love is everything he has promised it to be? And new birth, new life in Jesus uh, is uh is unspeakably so fine uh back when alex young alex was just a pup a big worship song was better is one day in your house than thousands elsewhere and as we conclude this gospel of mark i want to tell you it's so one day in god's house is better than decades outside his house. This gospel is inviting you and I to come to our knees again, to come to the feet of Jesus, uh, to say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak a word that my soul may be healed, that we would remember Jesus saying, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that we would hear him saying, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. If you hear and open that door, I will sup with you and you with me. Peace, I leave with you my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord Jesus. She or he who believes in me, though they die, yet shall they live. The one who believes in me shall never die. So this concludes our time in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, receive my thanks for having the privilege of sharing these words with you. And uh, if I get 
anything wrong and communicate it wrongly to you, I pray that the Spirit of God would just blow away that chaff uh, for what it is, and that the good stuff, uh, the fine wheat of God's word would nourish us and quicken us and bring us afresh to Jesus. Let's have that moment right now. If you are willing, I would like to offer a prayer on our behalf. And I would like you to listen for the Spirit of God calling you by name, inviting you to welcome Jesus afresh in your life for the first time or for the hundredth time. What an amazing thing that the almighty sovereign God knocks on our door and doesn't force his way in. Uh, one artist rendering, uh, the artist was told, you made a mistake, there's no doorknob. And they said, that's not a mistake. The door only opens from the inside. So you, my sister, you, my brother, the door to your heart and spirit only open from the inside. Will you open that door with me this morning? Will we invite the spirit of Jesus to birth in us afresh, to abide in us, to make a home in us? And let us make our home in him, Lord Jesus. I am not worthy. Thank you for this gospel and those like it. Help me to receive your good news. Help me to receive you. Forgive me my sins. The most ugly ones come to my mind quickly. Some I'm too obtuse to even recognize yet. But come, Lord Jesus, teach me to love you. Teach me to love those around me. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.